Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you're trying to win a 2024 best ball draft, a fantasy football championship, especially this early? In the calendar, you probably need to know where the edges are. What players do we need to draft? What situations are maybe changing? We're going to dive into all those potential edges. Probably saw on the thumbnail, there's Kyle Pitts again. Oh, no. Is Kyle Pitts an edge? We're going to dive into all the different potential edges we can get in these early drafts, especially on our good friends, drafters, drafters, fantasy. And then we're going to try to put them to use in a drafters early NFL best ball championship draft with all you guys, all the sickos here on spike week. Let's do it. Hello. Hello. Blindles. Ben Blindles. Hello, Bindles, GM, 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 Bernie, Billy, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. Another, we, we said yesterday, there's no breaks in NFL best ball season. We are not, we are not going anywhere. We're going to be ripping tons of drafts, even here in February, March, April, before the main, the main slate of best ball season happens tonight. We're riding solo, but we're going to be drafting over on our good friend drafters fantasy. If you have not signed up for drafters, they have an awesome, awesome early NFL best ball tournament. That's a little bit different than say our good friends over at underdog. Of course, we've already been firing tournaments like the little board and the big board on underdog. And those are kind of your traditional uh, playoff format, best ball tournaments, meaning you draft in your 12 person league. You just need to advance out of that 12 person league, right? Um, Make it to the playoffs, survive a couple of playoff rounds in weeks 15 and week 16, make it to the championship in week 17. And that's when you compete around against, you know, around 500 people or so, depending upon the tournament, take home, hopefully the top prize in week 17 on drafters. It's a little bit different. They use a cumulative 
scoring format. So we draft, or when we draft a little bit later, there will be 12 of us, myself included, myself and 11 others. We will draft on drafters. And that league, once the draft is over, doesn't matter. You draft against 11 other people in that draft, and then you compete against everyone in that tournament to score the most points across the entire best ball season. So right now we're going to draft a team in February and the whole focus is to draft a team in February that somehow scores a shit ton of fantasy points, you know, in September and October and November and on into December. Pretty wild task, but that's what we're here to do. And that's what we do. That's why we're sickos, as you see at, uh, at the top of your, 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 your screen. And as Billy says, it's sicko time. Let's go. What food is going to be discussed today? Well, We'll see. There's no Rob today. It's just me. I'll try to uh, uh, not offend too many people with more uh, food takes. The Philly folks, I don't think, appreciated our show last night. Go back and check that out. Um, and go ahead and hit the like and subscribe button while, while you're here. And check out last night's show where we drafted a team on underdog and also maybe talked a little bit about how the Philly cheesesteak is a touch underrated. Um, we've made our soup takes well-known. Sorry for the soup lovers out there. <clears throat> but um, before we dive into uh, uh, the drafters draft, hey, like I said, if you've not signed up, I, I highly recommend it. I think if you're sick enough to be listening to this show here in February and excited about 2024 um, fantasy football and best ball already, having access to different sites and different formats of tournaments is is awesome. I love what underdog has put out there with the big board and the little board, but drafters also offers us a little bit of, of something different where we don't have to deal with kind of the advancement structure. We certainly don't have to deal with week 17. It's a little more of there's plenty of strategy. Don't get me wrong, but it's a little more of how do we flex our muscle on kind of being the best fantasy drafter period. And, um, see every time Rob needed to be here because, uh, uh, he's the one that reminds me always to put my phone on do not disturb before I uh, start this, you know, this, this show every time. And I forgot yet again. So we got a phone call, but we got it all figured out. I'm, I'm, I've only done one drafters draft, but I'm, I'm really interested to dive in a little bit here. And I want to talk super quickly before we hop in the draft. <clears throat> and with all you guys here, I'm sure we can fill one of these babies uh, pretty quickly. And yeah, just, just you guys. Are nailing it jim aka jace <laughs> jim aka jace best site to draft is drafters uh quasi hearts drafters as well ben shout out to you for being a sicko bernie different player combos are emphasized on drafters and speaking of our guy b kurt um i want to pull up really quickly something for uh specifically that bernie has put together that is a part of our nfl best ball almanac for 2024 so there's a, a link in the description to that if you want to get access to it <clears throat> myself and bernie and other members of our team are constantly updating from now until the end of the 2024 season so we will be supporting in-season tournaments right DraftKings launches a new best ball tournament every single week we'll have rankings for that and an analysis for that we will have best ball resurrection on underdog we'll have in-season tournaments on drafters everything will be supported here from within this almanac so you buy it now for 69.99 a one-time purchase fee you get all of our analysis all of our rankings all of our content for all these sites for that one fee from now through the end of the year so a little biased but a, but a pretty good deal but something from within the almanac I wanted to pull up um, that I thought was just 
awesome and a great kind of segue into some of the edges that I think exist uh, specifically on drafters, but just generally speaking right now in uh, the fantasy landscape. Um, Here's the article. So again, the folks that have access to the Almanac can go in and read this in the Almanac hub, but Bernie put this together. Drafters early best ball championship 2023 in review. So there's a ton of awesome information here. You see, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and you can see the player combinations and uh, you know ADP movements and rookies and all that kind of stuff is in here. Awesome. Awesome stuff from Bernie, but I mostly wanted to look up uh, the winning lineup because I think the, what won in a best ball tournament, a lot of the times it gets a little bit, um, overused and over analyzed because it's one team out of hundreds of thousands, certainly thousands, tens of thousands of teams. And we draw a lot of conclusions from the like really hyper specifics, right? Oh, this guy won with a zero running back team. Kareen won with two early running backs and three quarterbacks, right? Herzig won with a hyper fragile team and Liam won with a, a Josh Allen team and Felix, right? And blah, 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 blah. And everybody looks at those teams and really fixates on what won. And it's honestly, it's a lot more about what the market did and what was successful, like what was successful, what could have been successful in any given year, as opposed to like the actual team that won. But then we fast forward to these early tournaments like we're, like right now, and nobody looks at what won. Like everybody's going to analyze the winning best ball mania team, right? It, we're going to analyze it. You guys are probably going to analyze it. Tons of other sites and analysts are going to analyze it, and and it's that's fine. But everybody's going to dig into it, and not a single soul on the planet is looking at what won the big board or what won this drafters early tournament. And so I loved looking at this, not because we need to just copy paste what this team that won was, because of course that's not true, but seeing specifically kind of the combination of players. I love the spike week percentage here on the right-hand side, like what collection of players ended up coming together to win this early drafters tournament is extremely fascinating. Very much not surprising that the first two picks were the, the combination that won a lot of tournaments, CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown, right? The uh, one-two turn was just, it stayed healthy. Amon Ra and CD and Devontae Adams as well were good to great to at least good enough while a lot of other players um, got injured, you know, underperformed, what have you. So that's not really anything too profound seeing that CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ra St. Brown won. <clears throat> Where the edges start to come in, is as we start to slowly scroll down here and from an early tournament perspective, the first like kind of edge that pops out to me is realizing how you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> like look at this team. Let's just for the audio listeners third round in the drafters winning early best ball championship team, Ramondre Stevenson. No one would classify Ramondre Stevenson as a, a home run pick last year. Quite the opposite, probably. Round four, Mark Andrews. Okay, while he played, but missed tons of time. Terry McLaurin. Not awesome. <laughs> uh, Sam Howell was okay for fantasy. Not especially great for Terry McLaurin. Not a great season. Mike Evans, pretty good. Dak Prescott, very good. James Cook, okay. Couple 
couple big spike weeks down the stretch, but again, you see in the right-hand column on your screen, just 26% spike weeks. So he, he wasn't, he had a couple of really big games down the stretch that I think uh, from the, the playoff format tournaments make us think he was more important and more impactful than he was, but it really was kind of unimpressive uh, over the course of the entire season for James Cook relative to a lot of what else was was out there. Um, AJ Dillon, if you listen to last night's episode, I like to give Rob a little bit of shit for AJ Dillon. Zero spike weeks for AJ Dillon. Jared Goff, pretty good, but still, even Jared Goff is as solid as he was and as solid as the Lions were. Just 15% of his games were were spike weeks. Then we start to get into some fun and some some chaos. Khalil Herbert, actually a little bit better, I think, than the market probably gave him credit for. Zeke. Uh, not especially awesome. Also being paired with Armandre is pretty interesting, but Zeke ended up being a little bit impactful down the stretch, just providing a couple of spike weeks and uh, like usable weeks as well. When, when Ramondre went down, Michael Gallup an absolute stone cold zero. So we are now on our third, our second player who provided zero spike weeks, AJ Dillon, Michael Gallup, nothing Hayden Hurst, absolutely nothing provided us so that we're onto three players three players that provided absolutely nothing to this roster right then we'll we'll scroll down a little bit past those next guys joshua kelly chargers joshua kelly nothing did absolutely nothing Devontae parker nothing all zero percent spike weeks those guys added no points to this team now, what did happen, though, is the big hits, right? You see at the top, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown, 72% and 74% spike weeks. Pretty, pretty helpful, right? Mike Evans, Dak Prescott, very, very helpful. Then it goes, you have to wait till you get to Adam Thielen, who had 24% spike weeks, and obviously everybody remembers he was very good to start the year. Nico Collins, awesome, awesome pick. And then at the very end, Jake Ferguson and Kyron Williams. So we talked about this last night on the show which I highly recommend going back and um, listening and sort of in, in the intro being like, you have to understand that even if you win one of these tournaments, not every single pick that you made is going to be a home run. And quite frankly, multiple picks on your roster, even on a winning team are probably going to be certainly net negatives, but possibly total stone cold zeros. And that's what happened here. When this team won a cumulative scoring format tournament. Had to beat, uh, let me scroll up really quick. Uh, Bernie can probably, oh, there we go. 11, so there's had to beat 11,207 other teams in total points from week one to week 17 and had a bunch of stone cold zeros and not only just a bunch of zeros, Mark Andrews, fine. Terry McLaurin, fine. James Cook, fine. Khalil Herbert, fine. Zeke, fine. Like, not a lot of smashes, but what happens? When you get CeeDee and Amon Ra and Dak and Mike Evans and Kyron Williams and Nico Collins, right? There's your five or six guys. It's like, you just need to not screw it up around them. And so... Uh, as Bernie pointed out here, we see a, a, a very fun two, seven, eight, three, and only 5% of teams drafted in this structure. And that's one of the first edges, not this specific structure, but that's one of the first edges I wanted to call out is thinking about your structural ways to approach 
your drafts right now that the field is maybe not doing as much as they should. And the funny thing about this team is if, if the winning, I mean, not like the winning drafter cares, they got first, so they don't care. But if you remove Hayden Hurst and you say, I took Mark Andrews, I can just take a punt second tight end and hit on Jake Ferguson. And I have Mark Andrews and Jake Ferguson and I toss Hayden Hurst out and I add another wide receiver or running back. This team's actually even better. Like this team could have been much better, much better, but it took a unique approach with the seven running backs and eight wide receivers and only two quarterbacks. I'm not going to give away the whole article. Go check it out when you get the Almanac or if you have the Almanac, go read this because I promise you, you're going to learn some stuff, but the, the market just doesn't take certain approaches, especially on drafters and especially in 20 rounds where they're very unwilling to only draft two quarterbacks, certainly only two quarterbacks when the seventh, the first quarterback comes in round seven, Dak Prescott. And this team, honestly, was still unwilling to take only two tight ends, despite the fact that they took Mark Andrews in the fourth round. And so... There's another way, just from a structural perspective, that we can do something that we know can win, right? Less picks, not less draft capital necessarily, but less roster spots on the onesie positions. Because when we have 20 rounds and in these early drafts, when we have, you know, so much uncertainty, like so many free agents and so many rookies. We don't know where guys are going to land. We don't know if any of these rookies are any good. We may not even know who these rookies are. When we have that uncertainty, our opponents gravitate to the certain things, which is a lot more of quarterbacks and tight ends, because I know that I can, right. I can attach Hunter Henry to a team. And I'm like, even though he's a free agent, I feel confident like Hunter Henry's good. He's going to land on a team. I don't have to worry about that. When I draft, um, Malik Washington on a team like you can love m- m- my analysis as much as you want. You can love his yards per route run as much as you want, but it's still, it's a, it takes a little bit of a leap of faith. I think the leap of faith is one of our biggest edges that we can make right now in, in these tournaments. And I thought that this team really started. To, I mean, you see this person drafted Kyron Williams in, you know, the spring time. <laughs> During March Madness, before any of us probably listening to this, watching this, or talking about this, really had the the wherewithal to dive into the Kyron Williams streets. So hits on that. Hits on 19th round Jake Ferguson. If you recall, Jake Ferguson skyrocketed up over the course of the summer, you know, to rounds 12 or 13 by the end. And hits on just enough around it, right? Nico Collins, round 16, big time hit, big, big, big time hit. But your hits what are what become the monster edges in um, these, these super early tournaments. Um, that, I thought, go check that article out from Bernie. I'll, when I'm done here, I'll make sure and put a, uh, a, a link in the description. Let me really quickly just pull up um, <clears throat> something else from within the almanac uh, that I want to show for those uh, that have it. When I go, go to data and research, you can see all the articles that are out there. This, this article that I wrote specifically um, 
was more so this was released before the drafters tournament came out. So the, the tournament tonight that we're, we're going to draft is not necessarily where this was thought about, but it's totally still applicable. It's really just to our early drafts that we're thinking about right now. And I want to highlight a couple of those edges. So the first thing is rookies. Um, I think that it's not that you can't draft too many rookies. Cause of course you all, you always can. And as uh, uh, Jim says, uh, us sickos are driving up the rookies prices in particular, Malik Washington. Um, I, I'm going to, we need to come up with a code name. So like you guys probably uh, experience, if you have dogs, right? So you have dogs. Um, a lot of you probably have dogs or, 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 or children. I don't have any children. I only have two dogs. My wife and I use code words for the words that they now know, right? Uh, or you spell them out, right? They know what toys are. They they are obsessed with cheese. They know what cheese is. They know what a walk is. They know, right? They know all of those words. So you end up having your own code language for things that your dog is going to get unnecessary. Like we can't say cheese in our normal conversation because they get excited. They run over and they're like, Oh, it's time for cheese. You're going to give me some cheese. Uh, like literally my dog is right over here getting up because I'm saying that word. Um, so we need to come up with a sicko word for Malik Washington so that I stop because I use him in just in when I'm, when I think of like, Oh, who's the late round rookie wide receiver that like, I just want to name drop here to give an example of someone. I say Malik Washington, cause that's my guy. I it drafted like 85% of Malik Washington across my early, my early draft. So we need to come up with a code word so that, uh, you know, we can keep our Malik stuff uh, a little bit more under wraps and everybody can get their exposure before he's going in like the 12th round. But obviously he's a rookie. And if you look back at last year, again, from within this article, the thing I wanted to point out specifically was I've heard people say, and I've probably said it, <laughs> I've probably said it in the past. Like I want to target the rookies, but you don't want to target too many rookies right it's like and that may it makes sense you're like man i'm gonna miss on a lot if i draft like a bunch of these rookies but the only way to find the hits on the rookies is to draft a bunch of them because frankly we don't really have a great idea of exactly who all the hits are going to be i have my preferences i'm placing my chips in certain directions but look at this list and for the audio listeners i'll read it really really quickly if you drafted a huge amount of players from this list. Tell me if you think you would have been excited about having all of them on the same best ball team. Okay. Puka Nakua, Tank Dell, Rashi Rice, CJ Stroud, Sam Laporta, Devin Achan, Zay Flowers, Jaden Reed, Anthony Richardson, before he got hurt, Josh Downs, Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, Jordan Addison, Tyje Spears, Luke Musgrave, and or Tucker craft that doesn't even have Dalton Kincaid. That doesn't even have some other rookies on there who were not bad. Right. It also doesn't have uncertain situations. It's second year players, right? Kyron Williams. It doesn't have those types of players on there. And yet most of our people that we're drafting against are very anti diving into these uncertain situations, specifically rookies, specifically second year players who haven't proven it yet specifically backup running like you're telling me i got to project a backup running back in february 
Well, did you see the winning lineup? They took Kyron Williams. You know why they won? Because they took Kyron Williams. And it sounds easy to say, oh, yeah, well, they hit on that. But you know why they hit on these types of things is because we're willing to dive into these uncertain situations like rookies, like backup running backs, like maybe undervalued second year players, free agents. We don't know where they're going to land. Those kinds of things are just the linchpin to these early drafts. And absolutely no one is willing to dive into them to the degree that we probably need to. Right. So you can you can get a structural advantage just by being a, a slightly more fragile in terms of your roster spots at certain situations or certain uh, positions. And then you can just dive into the the unknowns. That we know, right, this cohort of players that we know is the unknown, but we do what what isn't uh, what isn't unknown is the fact that the league winners are coming from here. Like, it's just a fact. Every year, the league winners come from the uncertain situations. It's not, right? If it's un, if it's certain, they go in a certain spot where it's like, yeah, well, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Nothing uncertain about Christian McCaffrey. Nothing uncertain about Justin Jefferson, even his quarterback, I guess, but he's pretty darn good at football, right? Lamar Jackson, spoiler, pretty good at football. Like, there's nothing uncertain about these guys. So, they get drafted in every draft. They get drafted really highly. People stack the quarterbacks. But they're they're it's great to have the guys who hit, but they're not the uncertain spots that win you everything, right? You look at that team, Nico Collins, Kyron Williams, I mean Adam Thielen, who I didn't draft, but Adam Thielen, right? All of those guys are the ones that come together where, oh, they haven't been a superstar yet. And then you fast forward one year. And Nico Collins is going in the second round and Kyron Williams is going in the first round. That team didn't even have Sam Laporta, but Sam Laporta is going in the third round. Jake Ferguson is going in the seventh round and he was a second to last round pick, right? It dove into all of those uncertain spots and it found the guys who are monster, monster breakouts like you see from these rookies on this screen. So if I'm if I'm personally identifying two things that I'm primarily focused on, it is... <clears throat> Diving into the roster constructions that our opponents are very unwilling to do. My biggest personal takeaway is less roster spots, not necessarily less draft capital, maybe the opposite, but less roster spots on the onesie positions because those are the two spots that are like pretty certain right now. I don't have that much uncertainty around the tight end positions. Uh, the tight end position and the quarterback position. There is some, of course, right? Rookies and free agents. But generally speaking, like Lamar's Lamar, Dak is Dak, right? We we understand the rookies. We don't know exactly how they're going to hit, but like Caleb Williams, going to be the first overall pick, right? We we get it. Tight ends, yeah, like Brock Bowers, pretty awesome prospect. He's uncertain, but the market's not uncertain about him. Even Kyle Pitts, put him on the thumbnail because I do think he's individually a specific edge. But this is probably the actual right answer. Vaporware says, Pitts is Pitts. He's going to be Kyle Pitts. Disappointment. Charlie Brown, Lucy. Charlie and Lucy with the football is Kyle Pitts, right? Um, although I think I think it, it's it's going to – I'm going to fall for it again. Okay, we're just going to get that out of the way. But I don't want to turn this into a Kyle Pitts. 
episode. But you know what I mean? I want to win the flex. I want to win the flex by loading up on as many of the potential league winners, tournament winners, especially on drafters where it's cumulative scoring where like you want like that having Kyron Williams on underdog last year in the last round was, was super impactful. But at the end of the day, if Kyron had a bad week 16 and week 17, it's like, congratulations, enjoy your min cash, right? You made it to week 15 and you lost. But in on drafters here, the, the compounding effect of finding Kyron Williams was so huge, so absolutely massive. You combine the fact that he was not drafted in every single draft in this tournament, and it's like, that's the edge, man. The uncertain situations that also can lead us to different roster construction that can... And, See, I told you, I told you, you can't say the the special keywords around the docs. Now he's sniffing on the bookshelf and everything. Anyway, perfect, perfect segue or perfect break. Not really a perfect segue. Let's draft. Let's see. Let's see if we can put these. We are going to get into drafters. Ten dollar early. Uh, oh my gosh, it's zero out of twelve. We're going to join the old fast draft here. Let's see if we got eleven of you. Uh, eleven of you sickos out there. To fill this baby. So I can take a drink. Um, please. Please save me. And fill this draft. <clears throat> um, I was going to say something else. And I already forgot what it was. But. Uh, no. Check out that article. Uh, from Bernie. Seriously, uh, I've read it like three times today. And it's really, really good. Really, really good. Not because, again, like I pulled up the winning lineup. Not because it, what in the hell is this, Jim? Are you incapable of uh, having a phone around you while you eat? What what does dinner time look like, look like at, the, at the Seward household? Have you never eaten dinner? And drafted a best ball team before? I find that hard. I find that hard to believe. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Adam says, I went Puka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake London, Rashad White, Roma Dunze, and I'm just aiming for upside and originality at the same time. I like that. I like this take. Um, I'm gonna be <laughs> Jim says, my wife wouldn't be pleased. Yeah, welcome to my life. Welcome, well, welcome to my life. Uh, uh, you're drafting a best ball team while you're eating. You drafted a best ball team while you were cooking dinner. Then you drafted a best ball team still while you were eating. And then you walked the dogs after dinner and you drafted a best ball team. Then, then we got in bed and you know we decided to watch The Bachelor. And you were drafting a best ball team then, or you were like looking up your exposures during uh, while we were doing that. Um, and and you were watching a basketball game on your phone. I don't recommend. I don't recommend um, to anybody. It looks like we need eight more. If anybody would uh, uh, love to join this, that would be swell. So I don't sit here and keep talking about uh, uh, how terrible of a husband I am for too much longer. If we can get eight more people, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, and our good friends at Drafters would, uh, would appreciate it. <laughs> this is good. Liam says, drafting a team mid-party. Mid party, so like, what kind of? I, we got the people got to know, Liam. What kind of party? 
New Year's Eve, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthday. What was uh, what was what was the? <laughs> yeah, this is. I will say this: Drafters is uh, sneakily becoming a really, really, really underrated best ball platform. It does drive me a little bit nuts that the the deposit doesn't happen right away. It takes it'll it's going to happen really quickly for you, Billy. I promise, but uh, it doesn't happen right away. Vaporware says I drafted a 10 rookie team on underdog. Is that too much? I think I'd have to see it ultimately, but my, my take is no. And I think that's the big thing that happens. People want to put a number to it. So like, uh, it's funny that I say that cause I've been talking about putting a number to things like probabilities all day in our discord, which if you're not in the spike week discord, I'm just going to say to quote my uh, boss and um, a good friend, Dan Bach, from way back in his Roto-Grinders radio days, he said, if you're not playing Russell Westbrook, you're just going to lose. And that was an NBA DFS reference. That's a kind of how I feel about if you're not in the Spike Week Discord and drafting best ball teams in February, I think you're probably just going to lose. Specifically on drafters, if you go look at what who, <laughs> who was winning the drafters tournaments last year, the old one-two punch of our guys Dorito and Updog taking down first and second for $450,000 combined in the drafters tournament. We're doing all right. The Spike Week community is doing quite all right, especially on um, drafters. But uh, just two more. If you're hanging out, watching, you want to join this, this draft, we need just uh, two more. But uh, then... <laughs> This is pretty funny. Liam said uh, it was a college party and everyone was in jerseys and no one told Liam. Not only was Liam the only one not in a jersey, he was drafting best ball teams at the party. Um, so that is that is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Sean says, uh, oh, this is interesting. Drafted 20 teams during the Super Bowl. And there's so many dead teams in the lobbies during the Super Bowl. Is a I, I kind of like this approach. You get the absolute like people. Maybe they've been drinking. You know they they get caught up in the game. They're Ursher fans. Yes, I said Ursher. They're they're Ursher fans. So the halftime comes and you're like, the people are going to be distracted, right? Watching Usher and Alicia Keys and Luda up there on the big screen. And I'll get in those drafts, and they're going to be dead teams. This is when I'm going to draft my winner while Usher is performing at uh, halftime of the Super Bowl. There we go. All right, we filled the draft. So we'll get this baby rolling here in in just a second. And start to dive into, of course, while during the draft, some of the specific player takes that I think can, can attach to the edge that we talked about for the first 20 minutes um, or so. But this is an interesting one. Billy, Billy mentions, um, so Harrison Jr., Marvin. Harrison Jr., which, by the way, uh, <laughs> Mike, I see your comment. If It definitely makes me feel super-duper-duper duper old that Marvin Harrison's son is entering the NFL. Um, I don't have a lot to add, but Marvin Harrison Jr., Frank Gore Jr., Jerry Rice's son, uh, it's a tough scene. Like I've never really, I mean, other than my body's broken down, like I, like, you know, my back and ankles and all that kind of stuff, like, but everybody deals with that getting older. <clears throat> um, 
I never really have like, I mean, you, I'm, I'm wearing a fucking backwards hat on YouTube every day. Like how old can you really feel? You look, and I look real, I get carded, you know, for anything, you know, at a, at a bar, at a, a gas station or whatever. I, I, I'm, I guess luck, somewhat lucky in that way, but nothing has made me feel quite as old as these guys who I grew up watching and like became a football fan around and their sons coming in while I'm like talking about fantasy football for a living. Really, really a tough, like really a tough scene. If we're being, if we're being totally honest. Yeah, this is, this is good. Carl Pickens kid, Gabe, our, our good friend, Gabe Davis, Carl Pickens kid made me feel old. I drafted plenty of him and Jeff Blake back in the day. There's a, all right i got draft started for the audio listeners i got the 103 uh our good friend shuby took jamar chase 101 i'm intrigued by that christian mccaffrey goes 102 to lens i'm gonna take cv lamb uh 103 but as as a shout out to billy um billy is on twitter I, billy i apologize i forget what your twitter handle is everybody needs to go follow him uh, he's doing some good work for us behind the scenes that you will see more of very, very soon. In particular, a zero RB article that is going to be straight fire. But Billy says uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is an interesting conversation point because he carries some uncertainty. He hasn't played a snap in the NFL. We don't, and not only has he not played a snap, we don't know what team he's going to be on. So, like, it's one thing to have not played a snap, but be in an awesome situation. It's another thing to not have played a snap and we don't like it's not impossible. He's on the Patriots, <laughs> you know, which like, okay, then we're going to do this mental gymnastics of is the target volume, the target share better than being on a high scoring offense. Right. But, we, but that's all the uncertainty that we just don't have. Like he carries some uncertainty. Yeah. He carries a lot of uncertainty with Marvin Harrison. We're pretty darn sure he's awesome but he sure as shit better be to be going in the second round, right? But as Billy says, he has immense upside at a relatively expensive cost. So it's like the other thing I would say is if I'm investing, <clears throat> um, shout out to our good friend, uh, Pat Kareen and um, his work that he's doing over at Legendary Upside, but they just did a recent dynasty a rankings review podcast with him and Davis Maddock and Jacob Sanderson. And they talked about uh, Pat frequently mentions like a place to uh, store value, right? In dynasty circles, we're not storing value in best ball. We're trying to capture value uh, in a single season. But Marvin Harrison is one of those, like a great store of value in that, even if he's not awesome, as a rookie, like the floor still somehow, despite the fact he's never played an NFL game, is like kind of high for best ball because like any team that drafts him, of course, is going to utilize him because they are not very good. They probably don't have awesome. He's instantly going to be the guy, but B, you are incentivized a little bit to prove that he was the right guy type of a thing. Um, I, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but such is life. I, I, I'm pretty into, uh, I gotta, gotta fix these. Uh, I gotta, I gotta go in and change my, 
draft hacker colors. But um, anyway, for for folks that are not uh, that are new to this, I'll scroll. I'll, I'll zoom in a little bit. You see our draft hacker at work here. Um, I've only done one. It's really not that important to see right now because this is only my second drafters draft. But as we get into this a little bit over the course of the next couple of weeks, I'll make sure that you can see. You obviously see here uh, in my drafters draft, I drafted Chris Olave. So you see 100% of him. And then um, uh, you guys can't see it. But if you hover over these other percentages, you can see what they mean. I'll explain it in just a second. I am going to take Tank Dell, actually. Um I like Olave, but I, I really don't have a lot of a lot of Tank Dell just just yet. And I'm fascinated by the Texans. Um, but quickly started CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, and Tank Dell. And yes, Sean points out Sean points out uh picking out of the 1.12 is username Elon Musk within Elon Musk. Uh, avatar is pretty interesting. Uh, perfect time to answer this question. Mike Rob says, uh, you know, so I mentioned Dan Bach, uh, from Roto Grinders. Uh, does that mean Kitchen is your boss? If he is, may the Lord be with you and you need a raise. I'll agree with the final part, the uh, raise, but no, Kitchen is not my boss. Kitchen is my coworker. Uh, hope you're listening, Dave. I love you. I get along really, really well with Dave. He is a great person, he is an awesome. Uh, member of this whole industry, and he's been a great coworker for me for the the years that I've been uh, around. Uh, I actually started at Roto Grinders before Dave did, uh, and then we bought Fantasy Insiders. Which, okay, this is no one tell Dave that this happened. But um, for anybody that knows Dave Kitchen, I literally am rocking a Fantasy Insiders uh, shirt underneath underneath the hoodie today so uh shout out kitchen and the fantasy insiders but no not my boss co-worker and he's the best i can't believe he puts up with the i mean i can't believe we put up with him but i can't believe he puts up with pete and davis every week can you imagine i can't i can't imagine um all right let's do a little quick review of where everything is Standing here looks a little bit like a, it, as would be expected when it is 12 of us sicko degenerates, pretty wide receiver heavy. Um, the folks were soaking up the that top tier of running backs CMC, Brees, Bijan, Gibbs, Kyron, Achan, and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but then once that very smart room. We're in a very good, very smart room here, which is a little tilting, but such is life. After JT, no running back went until Saquon at 32 overall in the third round, which I actually think, um, A, I still wouldn't take Saquon there, but it, it's at least defensible. But uh, this is much more so how I think a lot of drafts should go with once you hit Jonathan Taylor or HN, whatever, um, I actually have HN a lot lower than this, but uh, we don't need to get into that today. I think that it's like should be wide receiver, quarterback, tight end heavy for a long time after Jonathan Taylor. I understand if you like Travis Etienne. I understand if you like Saquon or Pacheco or let me look at the running backs. James Cook, Ken Walker, like Rashad White. If you like them, that's fine. 
but I, I, my talk about edges, talk about the things that we think are edges. I don't really care if you take two, like, I don't care how you start your drafts. Like from a structural perspective, I think hero running back, meaning one of those elite guys, one of JT and above or zero running backs, meaning we're going to wait, we're going to wait on, on running back till seventh, eighth, ninth plus rounds. I think those are the, the best structural edges, but realistically, as long as you're kind of abandoning running back, Taylor, I really don't have a problem with anything that anybody does uh, after that. So, uh, you know, kind of speaking through some of those edges, that's kind of how I'm feeling. Let's see here. God, you guys are brutal, man. I am going to take... I, I'm going to take Amari. I don't really like him. I'll be totally honest with you, but it's Amari... Amari is the uh, Amari is the 29 year old running back of wide receivers for me. There's almost nothing. There's almost nothing anyone can say or do to make me excited about him. But I know, and part of part of myself, I've gotten a little better at this game, or I think I've gotten better. Is <clears throat> setting aside my biases and being like, you don't want Amari Cooper, but you also should be cognizant of the fact that just because of your archi archetypical, archetypal um, biases doesn't mean that that makes him a bad pick. I am going to take Terry McLaurin here, who I am I'm becoming more and more bullish on. Yeah, this is so true. Sean says it's the Najee Harris effect. And it's funny, if you have the almanac that I uh, cited earlier, uh, my guy B. Curd in the chat, Bernie and I had a nice long conversation about the Pittsburgh Steelers and specifically Najee Harris, who you'll find, uh, spoiler alert, in our rankings. I actually have, for the first time in the existence of Spike Week, for the first time in since I've ever done best ball content, we are higher than market on Najee Harris in our rankings. I won't spoil anything else. Just go listen to the round table today with B Kurt and myself. We dive into um, all, all of that, but uh, it is, it is hundred percent the Najee Harris effect. It is. I don't like you. It, it becomes ingrained in your brain that like, I don't like that guy. He's not the type of player I like. He's been overpriced, right? Amari to me, quite frankly, has been overpriced. For some time, Naji, like Naji, is the is the absolute like shout out, Sean, the perfect example. I don't have anything bad to say about Naji. It was just the price. Price, like I don't dislike Naji Harris. Like, I'm sure he's a fine person. I think I don't know. I'm sure his family is nice. I'm sure if I met him, I'd really like him. But like. I'm not going to draft him in the first round or second round <laughs> fantasy football drafts. Doesn't make any sense. I've gotten a lot of things wrong, a lot of things wrong over the years, but fading <laughs> Naji has been a pretty successful, pretty successful strategy. Now, however, the market has dumped him. They're done. Totally done with Najee Harris. Right? Let's see. 
ADP of 91. That's low. Why was Najee going in the <laughs> second round for these last? Like, why was Najee going as a top four round pick? And now, after he actually showed something kind of good down the stretch, Arthur Smith is in town. Now we're going to dump him like to round pick 100? I don't know. It's a market game. And Najee Harris, the Najee Harris effect is the the best, probably the best example of that. Vaporware says that uh, Najee gives back to the community, which is fucking awesome. So yeah, I'll happily be a Najee Harris fan this year. Found me. Um, all right, let's see. Run down some of the uh, Billy Joe takes Chris Godwin. No, <clears throat> Billy Joe. Shout out Billy in the chat. Picking out of the 10th spot, starts Jameer Gibbs and Devin Achan, which I definitely am, am fine with, um, approve of, even though I'm personally a little bit lower on Achan. I have JT over Achan, but I don't really have a problem with that start. <clears throat> and then it's like, all right, you're in a wide receiver heavy room. You started running back, running back. How do you start to recover from that? Billy is crushing it. Um, the only like pushback I would have is uh, taking CJ Stroud as your quarterback without Nico or Tank. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit of stacking here once to see if I can put together some stacks. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, elaborate too much on stacking edges and then screw it up myself, but that's kind of how it goes on, on draft streams, but Billy recovers, right? Michael Pittman, third round pick looks good. Devonta Smith. I, I kind of think is a pretty fun by low um, or by the dip uh, uh, from last year, CJ Stroud and Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin specifically being one of my favorite uh, targets. Let's look here a little bit. Ooh. Ooh. We are at pick 70. Oh, no. I'm going to take Dak. So there we go. I actually don't totally love the Dak price, but I just feel like um, I want to have myself some some Dak CD. And, and the sixth, sixth slash early seventh round is not some cost prohibitive price for Dak Prescott. It's totally fine. So um, I'm totally comfortable doing some of that. It's I'm, I don't think Dak is at this price, but he's also not uh, like I'm not running away from from Dak Prescott. Um, let's see here. Running back. My next pick is 94, which I think is going to end up locking me out of the tight end group that I want. So do I take Ferg or Pitts? We're going to Dallas. We're going to Dallas it up here. Take Jake Ferguson. Uh, so so I have started for a quick recap. CeeDee Lamb out of the 103. Devontae Adams in the second round. Uh, there'll be more content on, on Devontae Adams, I promise you, because it's a rare breed for me to be very into Devontae Adams uh, this year. I was out uh, mostly on Devontae last year, which was fine until week 17. 
Jesus Christ, Devontae Adams took every last um, fiber of my successful fade on him in week 17 and just stomped all, all, all over it with his week 17 game. But I'm kind of back in actually at the price now on Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, Tank Dell, Amari Cooper, and Terry McLaurin. McLaurin is a guy who I am, uh, uh, I'm pretty into. I'm, I'm pretty into, I think, getting a quarterback upgrade uh, from Howell slash Brissett to um, either Caleb Williams or Drake May or, or Jaden Daniels, I think is going to be awesome getting coaching uh, upgrade. I don't want to be super negative about Eric Bieniemy, right? But just a reset. A reset in Washington is is much needed, and um, I think Terry McLaurin really separated himself from from that group. Not not like in a crazy way, but I think we were. It was much more like okay, Terry is like a fourth round pick, and Dotson is like a seventh round pick, maybe even sixth by the end of the summer last year. We didn't really know. We didn't have a great um, idea of how things would shake out there, despite the fact that Terry has really dominated targets. Dotson looked promising as a second-year player. I feel pretty confident that um, it's Terry's world and John Dotson is just living in it uh, moving forward. And I think there's there's quite a bit of upside. There's not a lot of wide receivers in these you know rounds three, rounds two through six or something where I feel like, yeah, okay, th- their talent, their upside, and everything can really exceed this price. Um, but I do think Terry McLaurin is actually one of them. If Washington turns around a little bit and he continues to kind of be the lead dog there, I think this could be like, why is Terry McLaurin ultimately that much different from Debo Waddle Olave? Like Olave seems like a reasonable, a kind of comp to Terry McLaurin. And frankly, McLaurin used to go there in like a, in, in a similar area of the draft. Um, I don't think Olave is especially more talented than Terry McLaurin. I don't think he's on a especially better offense. I don't think he has a much cleaner path to more targets. I think if anything, Washington probably has more upside as an offense, right? They trade up to get Caleb or, or Drake may or whatever happens. Um, I think Terry could be a, a pretty, a pretty fun pick. So I'm, I'm kind of prioritizing uh, Terry McLaurin, but then come back and, <clears throat> round six, seven, eight, nine or so are weird, weird rounds. Um, and so uh, I just, we just closed out a little Dallas stack here. We're, we're betting on Dallas with Dak Prescott and Jake Ferguson needed a tight end, needed a quarterback. Uh, now, obviously you'll see me pull uh, uh, my, what? I, sure. Yeah. I'm a, I, mean, I don't know why Cole Turner uh, GA says you're a Washington bull though. After Cole Turner last year, uh, Cole Turner isn't the first Washington guy that I would uh, uh, point out that I was a bull on, but uh, and yes, uh, Bernie, uh, I, I guess that's like an attempt at a dunk. Yeah, I did draft Cole Turner uh, last year. I might draft some Cole Turner again here this early cycle uh, to see if they cut Logan Thomas and don't draft a, uh, another tight end. But yeah, much more famously, I was a Sam Howell, Sam Howell, Tara McLaurin, Jahan Dotson uh bull last year and i'm 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 back in on washington although it's mostly mclaurin uh mclaurin brian robinson really interested to see what goes on with their tight end situation because i think there's a lot of potential on whoever is the tight end 
um, there, which is why I drafted Cole Turner and why I drafted Logan Thomas. Uh, not a lot of it's, it's very rare to get overweight two tight ends on the same team to draft more than eight. I think I had 12% uh, Cole Turner and 13% Logan Thomas or something like that. It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to do. Uh, we whiffed. We whiffed on both, but uh, nonetheless, it was fun. Oof. All right. Let's see. This is Bernie's going to crucify me if I don't draft Mike Williams. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Mike Williams. All right. I can't dive in. I'm not going to dive all the way into this one because, again, of course, we talked about it on um, the roundtable today from the Almanac. But I, I, I think I'm going to move Mike Williams up a little bit. You see, I took him here at pick, uh, what, 100? Yeah, pick 100 uh, or 99. Pick 99. <clears throat> I don't really love Mike Williams. And if you use, you're using our rankings, I have him uh, lower than this. So this is the first time I've drafted Mike Williams. Congratulations. Welcome to history. The first time uh, Eric Byford drafts Mike Williams in 2024, but I've been, I've been persuaded a little bit that he, he can really make some sense on some best ball teams where at this cost, you know, pick 100 and beyond we're, we're really buried Mike. like two years ago, Mike Williams, you know, Mike Lombardi was in, uh, uh, I almost said San Diego was uh, with the Chargers, and it was the whole. He's this is our Michael Thomas, right? Michael Mike Williams is going to be the next guy. Um, uh, he's going to draw more targets this year. He's not just a contested catch guy. He's not just a down the field guy. Was he sort of? But when he's been active, he's been really good for fantasy, and it, I Mike Williams profiles to me very similarly to what we see with T Higgins and Mike Evans and those kinds of free agent wide receivers. But because it's been such a weird roller coaster ride specifically of injuries. So the injuries are very much a concern, but we're burying him like absolutely burying him. T Higgins probably went in what the fourth round of this draft. Yeah. 43rd overall. And I mean, I like T Higgins better. I like Mike Evans much better. I like those guys better. But we've decided that it's over for Mike Williams and we're done with him. But like when you look at the guys like Keon Coleman, Khalil Shakir, like he got drafted between Keon Coleman and Khalil Shakir in a best ball draft. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So I've started to sort of reset my uh, mind on Mike Williams and uh, when he sucks, I'm blaming Bernie. Uh, I'm, I'm blaming Bernie for this. Yeah, no, I trust me. Uh, Shuby says wrong side of 30 ACL injury, you know, no team right now. De trust me. I agree with you. I, I have some like monster, monster concerns, but also everybody does. Everybody does. Um, let me see here. All right, I definitely got to start diving into some running backs. Devin Singletary. Uh, I'm going to try to double dip this tier. I'm going to take Zamir. I got to stay true to the brand. Uh, Zamir is my favorite guy from this pocket of the draft. Apparently this stream, we're just running back everything that we talked about on the roundtable today, but 
this pocket of running backs is I actually sort of wish. Now, if I had it to do over again <clears throat> on a zero running back team like I have here, I wish I would have pulled up one of the running backs from this group. Zamir, Ty Chandler. Um, it's just who I'm going to take here. Uh, it's Ty Chandler. But uh, like Shuby took Blake Corum and Jonathan Brooks, uh, two rookie running backs who I really, really like. Uh, but there's also Devin Singletary, Roshan Johnson, Chuba Hubbard, Charbonnet, Ford, Khalil Herbert. Like this whole tier, all these guys. I mean, Jalen Warren went right before this. Javante went right before this. Chase Brown. All of those guys. Uh, Marie Mostert, who is, who, funny enough, uh, uh, Elon Musk took in this draft, who I was kind of talking about how I need to move down, I think, in the rankings a little bit, which some people may uh, disagree with. But at pick 109... <laughs> uh, pick 109 for Raheem Mostert is pretty good. This whole collection of running backs right here, again, speaking about edges that exist right now, I think this might be the big, the, the, the single biggest one. Even more so than rookies, even more so than uncertain situations, even more so than our basic roster construction. From an actionable thing that I'm doing myself right now in, in drafts, I'm drafting predominantly zero running back teams and this pocket of the draft, as you now see with them flying off the fucking boards, <laughs> like running backs didn't go for multiple rounds earlier. And now, okay. Most are right, so uh, let's go all the way back. Nick Chubb in round nine at one Oh two. Here's all the running backs that have gone in two rounds. Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, Raheem Mostert, Chase Brown, Javante Williams, Jalen Warren, Zamir White, Blake Corum, Jonathan Brooks, Ty Chandler, Devin Singletary, Roshan Johnson, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Charbonnet's probably about to go. Jerome Ford's probably about to go. Khalil Herbert, Kendra Miller. All these guys are going to go within this little three – within three rounds, we're going to get 20 running backs who – maybe a slight exaggeration, but not that much. We're going to get 15 plus running backs go. And they are all realistically like no offense to the people who are drafting Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler and those kinds of guys. Realistically, these guys are really not that different um, from those guys. The only difference is name brand recognition, recognition of the guys that go a little bit above them. So this is a pocket of the draft. That I believe, like, do whatever you want to do in the first couple of rounds. Draft whatever quarterback you want to draft. Like, I, I don't think like any quarterback is some edge right now. Personally, um, I like, I like Jaden Daniels. I like Kyler Murray. I like like the rookies. I like those guys. But I'm, I, I'm not like taking some monster stand at quarterback at tight end. I think the elite tight ends are an edge. Ferguson. Pitts and Joku, Kelsey, Andrews, Bowers, right? All, they, all those guys, I think that they are an edge, but it's not any one of them specifically. I, I shouldn't say that. David and Joku's up there as an edge for me. But realistically, none of them are like some crazy, crazy, crazy edge. But a one collection of players through in like a little two to three round pocket is these running backs that are like, this perfect combination of high floor, mega high upside that could be going 
like almost any of them could be going in like the fourth round when we flip over the cards after the NFL draft. It's just that the uncertainty around all of them is keeping their prices in check, but it doesn't make a lot of sense because Derrick Henry has uncertainty and Tony Pollard has uncertainty and Austin Eckler has uncertainty, but they have the name brand. Whereas Zamir white and Ty Chandler and Devin Singletary and, and Chuba Hubbard and these guys don't have the name brand recognition. And so they go in rounds 10, 11 and 12, whereas those other guys go before and I can get this, what I believe to be a very similar type bet, which is, I don't exactly like, I don't know for sure what Demir White's going to be. Is he going to be the starting running back for the Raiders or is he going to be the backup or is he going to be in a timeshare? I don't know. But the ceiling case is that Zamir White is the just like we saw down the stretch for the final month of 2023. Zamir White is the freaking lead running back, starting running back on a run first, run heavy, solid Vegas Raiders offense. He's got his coach back. Josh Jacobs is a free agent. They are, are spending $30 million on Jimmy G to hold the clipboard on the sideline. They're not exactly, you know, uh, free of financial uh, obligations. There's a lot of reasons why Zamir White ends up back as the starter, but the market is just not, not buying it. You know, they're not buying it. Let's see here. All right. We're going to go, we're going to go back to my guy, Kendra. Kendra is apparently, uh, I clearly got to hammer some running backs. But also why I think my structure to go back to the edges about structure. I think zero RB slash zero RB is a, is an edge, <clears throat> but it, it has a lot to do with this pocket where I have the potential to get freaking Shuby is taking all the, all the backs here. I think I'm going to take estimate. First rookie, yeah, we're going to take the first rookie running back and bet on one of the more uncertain situations. But this is how I like to build my running back rooms, especially in these early drafts where, like, when we get to August, we're going to know who the starting running backs are. <clears throat> You're not going to be able to have the chance to, like, wait till round 10 and possibly get multiple workhorse running backs. You might, like, I'm going to be preaching if you come back to this channel. Hit, hit subscribe and you'll get notified. I'm not going to be breaching uh, zero RB for the same reasons as I'm preaching it right now. Right now, I can draft Samir White in round 10 and Ty Chandler in round 11 and Audric Estimate in, in round 13 and possibly get three starting workhorse running backs on the same roster in double-digit rounds. Is that going to happen? Do I know if it's going to happen? Obviously not, but I it's possible. By the time we get to August, if there's a round 10 running back, he's a backup, right? Or like a, at best, it's last year's Jalen Warren. At best. Last year's Antonio Gibson, right? So like he's like the 60-40, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson's 40. You're like, it's fine. Hopefully he can help me if they're both healthy and he has contingent value is like, right? That's the thesis around those running backs. But right now in this range is all those guys that I just read off to you before. Like Javante Williams is the lead running back for the Denver Broncos. Say whatever you want about him and the Broncos, but he's the lead running back for the Denver Broncos. Zamir White might be the lead running back for the Raiders, right? Blake Corum might be the lead running back for the Chargers. 
Jonathan Brooks, probably not the lead running back for anybody in week one, but might be the lead running back for where he lands at some point um, early to mid to late part of the season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm just trying to use that to my advantage. Do I know exactly that it's going to work out? No, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and tell you that I know for sure Ty Chandler is going to be the Viking starting running back. You have to draft him. But it let's call it a coin flip. It's a 50-50 coin flip. And the downside of taking Ty Chandler in the 11th round is he's like playing 30% of the snaps. I'll take it. And the upside is he's a workhorse starting running back on the Minnesota Vikings in round 11. When other people are paying, when other people are paying round six prices for David Montgomery, who I know is not going to be a workhorse running back at any point at ever, unless Jameer Gibbs gets hurt. And I like David Montgomery, but you get the point. Um, I see your comments. I'll make this, we'll make this pick and then uh, <clears throat> a couple of good, good uh, interesting concepts. Uh, let me put, let me put my guys here. Did, uh, all right, we got to take Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell, for sure. I, I saw the, I saw Benjamin. I saw your comment vapor. I saw your comment. We'll, we'll get through this turn and then we will, uh, <clears throat> digest some of that for sure oof all right let's see got my guy ray davis and we have really priced up ray davis though on uh on drafters i i should have looked at okay See, I screwed this up now. Oh, thank God we clicked around. It's easily Michael Mayer here. Easily Michael Mayer. Close out tight end. And see, so now to the structural uh, conversation from before, Ferg and Michael Mayer are going to be my only two tight ends. I don't feel the need to dive into Chig, Davis Allen, Brevin Jordan. I understand that they could possibly be hits. But my whole goal is to win the flex. I have Dak Prescott. I have Jake Ferguson. I have Michael Mayer. Those guys, if I'm right about them, are going to do what we saw on that winning team before which actually happened to have jake ferguson but i have mark andrews and jake ferguson and dak prescott and jared goff and the scores like those guys provide especially in this early tournament we exaggerate what we need from the the quarterback position specifically but the quarterback and tight end position we exaggerate what we need from those two spots if we are winning the flex we are going to put ourselves in a chance to win this tournament the quarterbacks are probably going to be good enough the tight ends are probably going to be good enough right if we hit to a certain level now jake ferguson is a total bust and michael mayer is a total bust 
so be it. Dak Prescott gets hurt, so be it. This team is gone. If if those happen, it doesn't matter. This team's not winning anyway, right? This team is not winning with Noah Gray as a third tight end to save Jake Ferguson being hurt and Michael Mayer being useless. Nothing is saving that situation. But what we can, what can catapult us from a min cash to winning the whole tournament is banking on Jake Ferguson continuing to be a fantasy stud, banking on Michael Mayer taking a leap in year two, and banking on Dak Prescott to continue to be the stud that he was that won that gentleman uh, this tournament last year. And then being like, okay, those those happened. Now what? Now how do I win? Well, it's probably running backs and wide receivers. Because if I win the flex... I'm scoring more points at six positions than the rest of my competitors like every week. <laughs> like it at right, the Kyron Williams thing was helping people score in the flex more often than more points more often than all of our competitors. And like ultimately that's my goal. Win the flex. And if that and if it takes me sacrificing some teams that could have been good. Ah, this team could have been good, but you should have, if you would have taken that third quarterback, it would have helped. I'm okay making that sacrifice because I want to optimize the teams that didn't need that third quarterback and give them the juice at running back and wide receiver because I know I'm going to miss, dude. Like, did you see the team that won? Five players that scored zero points for the team. <laughs> Five. I know I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss at least five times. That was the team that won the whole fucking tournament. Had five goose eggs. Zeros. So how many times am I going to miss on these teams? More than five, probably. So if that team's going to miss that much, uh, I should probably think about what that means for my team and be like, shit, I I would rather optimize for the situation when I don't miss. Like, I I, want to find the team that doesn't miss five times. I do need to take a running back while I'm I'm rambling, and I only got three seconds. So, oh, no. J.K. Dobbins. We autoed J.K. Dobbins. First J.K. Dobbins share. Hate that. You want to know how you win the flex? You auto-pick J.K. Dobbins with a torn Achilles. I'm pretty sure. That's the answer. Ramble about winning the flex and then auto draft. Like you ramble so long that you auto draft. JK Tom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, we're going to take Will Levis. Every time. Can guarantee it. GA says the flex rant to auto drafting. At least we auto drafted a running back. Would have been really. It would have been much better if we auto drafted a third tight end. Dirt while, while rambling about uh, about the flex, then auto draft a player who can't fucking play in the flex. That would have been much. That would have been much better. Um. Anyway, all right. Some uh, comments. I I love the people that are. Only here to comment to like 
get the get the digs in. It's great. Um, Dorito says, "Not an Evan Ingram fan." No, not 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 really. Um, I I need to like reassess this one a little bit. I'm curious what you what um, uh, someone like Dorito who uh, drafters NFL best ball champion Dorito. Uh, like Evan Ingram is such a fascinating guy where I feel like he's really overpriced. Um, let's see here. Scroll back really quickly. I guess on drafters, it's okay. 83 overall. That's okay. That's okay. But like, I feel like I'm missing something. Not a lot of big weeks from, from Evan Ingram. Jacksonville, not a, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that this is, I think this is fair. Investor better says, uh, at least Ingram is priced about right. I, 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 I think you guys nailed it. I think, yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like he's actually, this is so true. I feel like he's actually bad, but scores a lot of points in this, in this format. Um, Shuby says PBR, PBR helps him. And investor better says maybe only one round overpriced. I think I, I I agree with you guys. I think he's in a in a a right price range, and I'm I'm gonna try to open myself up to it a little bit more. I think I think he's not very good at football. I think he's not that great of a fantasy asset, but I do think ultimately, I mean, we'll see what happens with Calvin Ridley. That'll be um, a domino that could definitely impact this this take. But I think he's just a guy where it's like. I struggled to even like put it into words, right? Where he's fine. Like it's fine. I don't have, I'm not, I, I'm not sitting here ranting about him. Uh, like second round Najee Harris, where I was like, if you take him, you're, you, I think that you're playing this game wrong. I don't, I don't think that about Evan Ingram, but I just don't think he's ever a piece where I'm like, this guy's going to win me this tournament. Like he just, there is no ceiling case. There, there is no, there, uh, there is weekly upside and I do agree with you guys that this format definitely helps Evan Ingram. And so theoretically, that's a good, that's a good best ball asset at tight end, right? But like there is never a scenario where he elevates from this tier to a higher end tight end tier. Like it it doesn't exist. I, so like I hate those guys. Like as and and this can be a hundred percent bias, but like when Kyle Pitts hits, when Michael Mayer hits, when Sam Laporta hit last year, when those guys hit, they hit in such a way that it elevates them from this tier to a completely different tier. And we're drafting them. And like we get the next year, we get sticker shock. I want to draft the guys that give me sticker shock the next year. Right, like Tank Dell, like I still have sticker shock over Puka, <laughs> like every draft. I'm like Jesus Christ, Puka Nakua seventh overall, like that's crazy. I want to, but I want to draft the guys where the next year I'm like, oh my god, I have sticker shock over them. Evan Ingram, that it is not in the range of outcomes. Never, never, never possible. But I also don't want to be so biased ab- about that. Uh, that like you know concept. If that makes sense. All right. We got to make up for this. Uh, did one of you. I knew it. Somebody already took Malik Washington. Um, somebody take Yoshi. Yep. Oh, shit. If I can't get Yoshi, I'm going to take Charlie Jones. 
Jesus. Uh, Yoshi is going 178. Malik Washington went 189. Boy. I got to get used to these prices. Uh, but I am going to close this. Ronnie Rivers goes fucking Shuby. You guys are killing me, man. You guys are absolutely killing me. And a bit, and Lemmings takes a bannikin to Lemmings. Are you watching? I don't think we've ever like totally fully interacted. You're a mega sharp best ball grinder, but you gotta you you know that I like a bannikanda. I'm taking Cody Schrader. I gotta take some. I need some juice at running back. Some upside. Um, maybe you don't believe that Cody Schrader is that juice, but I. Uh, I definitely need some upside. And I think that the rookies are probably the right bet for me here. Um, I also will say, uh, I'm, I'm pretty into, uh, oh, another Paul, Paul V. Lemmings here. Shout out to you, Paul. Thank you for thank you for joining us. I highly doubt that you're terribly sorry. I highly doubt it. Congratulations on uh, Izzy Abanikanda. But, uh, um no, it's funny. Like literally Rivers and Abanikanda were the two guys that I was going to take. And then you and fucking Shuby take them back to back right before me. I can't get any of the guys I like here. Washington, Javon Baker, Elon Musk took Javon Baker. It, is Elon in the chat? Elon, step away from the Tesla. Uh, I, you're not a subscriber because you drafted Miles Sanders 204 overall, but you did draft Javon Baker, who is one of my guys. I'm not enjoying this draft very much. I'll be totally honest with you. We're we're drafting a stream where we're trying to talk about the edges that exist here. And every time I come on the clock, you guys have taken all the guys who I think are uh, are edges. Yes, Christopher. Christopher says Mizzou legend and Cotton Bowl MVP Cody Schrader and former. Truman State running back and Mizzou walk-on Cody Schrader. Yeah. Um, again, check out the Almanac Schrader and, and, and check out our rankings. Cody Schrader, one of my guys. Um, he's a great example. I don't want to uh, ramble <clears throat> and screw up my pick again like I did earlier on J.K. Dobbins. But Cody Schrader is an example of one of the guys that I'm I'm – I'm just going to draft every year. I understand the bear case that everyone will make on someone like Cody Schrader. Not certainly not a big recruit. That's how you end up at Truman State. And that's how you end up walking on at the University of Missouri. Um, not a perfect prospect. He's he's certainly not going to run four three. He's not two thirty. Um fine pass catcher, I think. Uh, can catch passes, can pass protect. He's not Jameer Gibbs. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Bijan. Imperfect prospect. But you know what Cody Schrader does is uh, to to quote my my favorite uh, recent article and movie I've now watched a couple times in the last uh, week or so. Moneyball. Uh, check out the article on the website that the Moneyball approach to best ball. You know what Cody Schrader does? 
he fucking gets on base, right? Like Cody Schrader is that guy that if Moneyball existed, everyone would be like the scouts. If Moneyball existed in this world that we live in, the scouts would be like too small, too slow, not a big recruit, not a perfect pass catch. They would be knocking every flaw that he has. And yet all those flaws may exist from a scouting perspective. And guess what he does? 1,600 yards in the SEC. Oh, Tennessee, you have a top five run defense in the country? Here's 200 on your head. Like, the kid just balls. Like, I, at a certain point, we got to stop caring about all the shit we used to care about, like what they look like with their shirt off and what they do at the combine and, like, all that. At a certain point, being a football player is being a football player. And I'm not saying Cody Schrader will amount to anything. He might not. He might not be good enough. But where I would rather lose on the players who have showed me that, again, with Moneyball, you showed me you could get on base. I'll take my chance. If you can't get on base, Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman does not get on base. Keon Coleman catches a few touchdowns, but he doesn't really get on base. Like, I'm not going to dive into those guys. I'm going to dive into the guys who have consistently just balled out in college good lord we're gonna scroll until we find a running back that we don't hate drafting actually i kind of like chris brooks i need to star him before i uh all right chris brooks it is i kind of don't hate chris brooks i know that's a while maybe a little bit of a wild take but um it's not inconceivable that chris brooks is in the mix i think for the dolphins this year i want to mix him in a little bit i think he makes some good sense on on drafters makes good sense in all these early tournaments but uh quick rundown of the team here um interesting certainly if you know me very zero rb but also it goes to if you listen to the top kind of the structural edges that i think nobody will ever do like the amount of two eight eight two teams that are going to be in this tournament is so minuscule. You can get an edge from something just so simple as that right off the jump. Excuse me. We went Dak Prescott, Will Levis at quarterback. Didn't talk a lot about Will Levis. <laughs> Not exactly my favorite football player, but at pick 195, QB2 to Dak Prescott. Totally cool with that. Talked a lot about the running back tier where I started my running back room with Zamir White, Ty Chandler, Kendra Miller, Audric Estime, where it is just um, a room that could be, um, th- this team could finish last, <laughs> right? If all these teams, you know, if Estime lands somewhere where it's not advantageous and the Raiders and the Vikings bring somebody in to where those guys are backups, it's not going to be pretty. But the upside is that all of these guys land in like much bigger roles. And the next thing you know, you have a supercharged team because it has Elijah Mitchell, J.K. Dobbins, Cody Schrader, and Chris Brooks to close it out. But more importantly, it has CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, Tank Dell, Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, Troy Franklin, Mike Williams, and then our, our guy Chuck Jones with the, the Bengals, Jake Ferguson, and Michael Mayer. Um, I enjoyed this team. I enjoyed this team. Uh, quickly. Yeah, uh, we got we got some Mizzou, got some Mizzou love. We got some Washington Husky love. We got some Eli Drinkowitz love. I don't know. I don't know. How I feel about it. feel about that one. But uh, agree with Vaporware. 
fun stream. Enjoy, enjoyed hanging out with you guys. Ton of fun. Hit that like button on your way on your on your way out. Christopher, please do come back and join us. We'll be drafting a lot of a lot of best ball teams, a lot of best ball teams here over the course of the next uh, well long time, long time. That's what we do here. But uh, be on the lookout. Uh, follow the Twitter account and join the Discord. Of course, hit like and subscribe. You'll get notified that way too. But if you if you would like to get notified, you know, on Twitter. Uh, or in the Discord, there's notifications going on about the shows. We're all, we also have non-live stream video and media content that's coming out specifically this week. We've got some really, really fun stuff around some rookies and some draft strategy stuff coming out this week that you're going to enjoy. So go ahead, follow us, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and be on the lookout coming soon, this week, very, very soon, and on through the next few weeks and next few months of best ball season had a lot of fun see you guys promo code spike on drafters promo code spike on drafters and we'll see you guys next week peace those were some spicy takes want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at spike week why don't you press that subscribe button below you turn notifications on we draft a team boom you know about it we have another spicy take. Boom. You know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right. We'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.